I have to say hello. This is Dan. Welcome to Sustainability Guy. You can say something else if you want. And then I'll say, that's my line. And I'll be mad. Oh, please. Welcome to the sixth episode of Sustainability Guy featuring my first guest, my wife, the beautiful and lovely Laura C. We will be discussing our story of how we went from classic American omnivores to mostly plant eaters, and we hope that this inspires you. So the rule for guests on Sustainability Guy is that they have to beatbox while I drop an eight-line rap about them. And um, Laura's really super, super stoked about doing this. So Laura, drop the beat. Eight lines for you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm grateful for you today. So we can break down climate in a different way. We got to make moves because the climate is stressed. So a very warm welcome to my sustainability guest. Her name is Laura and she's got a good heart. Sometimes I forget stuff. But she is really smart. She pushes me to lead a good sustainability life. Welcome to the pod, my dear sustainability wife. <laughs> I feel like you weren't really on beat for any of that. I feel that. like you kind of slowed down. <laughs> so the goal of this is to just tell how over the last few years we went from uh, mostly eating animals and regular American stuff to almost fully plants. Uh, and not to provide in-depth stats, but I like stats, so here are a few. According to Peter Kalmus in his book, Being the Change, in general, a meat-eating diet emits three metric tons of CO2e per year. A vegetarian diet is 1.5 metric tons of CO2e per year. And a vegan diet is one metric ton of CO2e per year. Another source, Eating Animals, the book by Jonathan Safran Foyer in 2009 that Laura and I both read, he's, he states that emissions from agriculture globally are greater than all transportation combined, and that's planes, cars, trucks, buses, etc. Um, and I think he's right. Uh, a third source is climatewatchdata.org, says that in 2016, globally, transportation was 7.9 billion tons and agriculture was 5.8 billion tons. So they say that transportation is more. But um, if you look at land use and waste and aviation and shipping, these, these industries that are related to agriculture, then I still think that agriculture is more than, more than transportation from looking at all the sources. Needless to say, eating more plants is better for all of us for all the animals and for society at large. So Laura, are you a vegan? Um, I don't define myself as a vegan. And I think that like there is this weird, not a stigma, but I do think that people are very cut and dry about it. And that scares a lot of people off from trying to eat more of a plant-based diet. So the way I present myself is I am someone who eats predominantly plant-based diet. So I would say I'm maybe a vegan 96% of the time. Do you say I'm a vegan or do you say I eat predominantly plants when you tell people? Uh, I don't 
really tell people that often. Um, I guess when it comes up in conversation, I would say I like follow a plant-based diet. Like I, I think I would classify myself as a vegetarian, not a vegan if I was pressed. Yeah. But I don't, that hasn't really happened to me. So maybe I'm just not hanging out with like really intense people. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know how you tell somebody's a vegan? No. They they tell you in the first five minutes. Is it funny? Do you tell, do you tell people you're a vegan? Um, no, there is like a kind of like a really intense stigma with that, that. So I like saying I mostly eat plants. Those are the four words I say, bro. No, I mostly eat plants. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we also, I feel like the the line we give people, or the line I give people is, we're vegan at home, we're vegetarian when we're traveling. Yeah. We don't, we don't purchase, we rarely purchase animal products. Yeah. yeah. So in spring 2018, Laura and I both did a 30-day vegan challenge. Laura did all 30 days and I got to day 19 and I folded. I can't remember what I ate, but I failed. You got uh, too hungry. I got too hungry. Yeah. I felt hungry. But Laura, what um what was the motivation to do that? And I guess like what's the motivation to eat more plants now in general? So I think in 2018 it was a combination of our weirdly competitive, like self-competitive spirit. Like, we'd done other challenges. Like, we did, like, a no-sugar challenge. Yeah. And we do, like, weird running challenges. But it was, like, a curiosity, I think, for both of us. Like, we had experimented with, like, you know, like, I would buy tofu sometimes and, like, try to make it taste good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I think doing that sort of, at least for me, made me realize that it was feasible and maybe more feasible than I had predicted And so that, along with, I think, more knowledge and, you know, watching documentaries and, for me, reading Eating Animals by uh, Jonathan Safferfoer made me want to be more purposeful about it and make a more lasting change than just say, you know, for 30 days to be able to say, you know, I did it and now I'm going to go back to eating hamburgers because they taste good. Yeah. So it was the exposure to the harmfulness of industrial agriculture. I think that's what sort of pushed me to the finish line. I think the the challenge made me realize that I I could do it and it wasn't as limiting as I as I thought it would be and then having the uh stats laid out for me by that book along with, you know, other sources was what pushed me to try to make it a reality. Yeah. And I read that book too, and that was another paradigm-shifting book. My big motivation was uh, doing carbon footprint with my students and having a chart with how many, I think it's how many grams of CO2e per different thing you could eat, like beef and beef down to pork to chicken to vegetables and grains and stuff like that, and wanting to walk the walk if I'm talking the talk. I also, Matt and... Sam and a couple of my friends and David uh, ate plants. And so that was kind of a pull. So I kind of got, I like, I kind of get, I was pushed and I also kind of was pulled, which is kind of cool. So that was like spring 2018. And here we are, July 2020. 
So what was the standard old Laura diet? Uh, so the thing I have missed the most, or I think the thing that wasn't vegan that was the biggest part of my diet before making our shift to a plant-based diet was mostly dairy products. So I ate a lot of like Greek yogurt pretty much every morning. I really like cheese. Cooking with eggs, not like just making eggs, but using eggs to make you know, pancakes and cookies and that type of stuff. So my old diet, I would say dairy was the the biggest part of it that's been, that's shifted. And then for me, I think having control over what I eat has been something that has made being a vegan easier. So or being mostly vegan easier. So when I switched schools and, and started working at a school where I was bringing my own lunch, I actually found that that was the biggest eye-opener for me was that I wasn't actually eating that much meat at home you know maybe we cooked I cooked meat like once a week maybe we would have like chicken or something but it was mostly that I was getting it from school so once I was responsible for all of my meals it actually was easier for the meat side of it the again the dairy and the cheese the yogurt and the cheese was more of a shift but I would say that that was the biggest difference in my diet so a change in employment and a change like in like ready-made animal product stuff. Yeah, my old diet was like turkey and cheese sandwiches and uh, notorious for buying those $5 chickens at the grocery store that are rotisserie chickens that are super hot and then coming home and consuming the whole thing. Or two. Or two. And eating like three or four eggs at a time, yogurt all the time. So what do you eat now, Laura? What's like some standard Laura fare? For grains, I eat, you know, like rice, pasta, oats. I bake a lot of bread. I bake bread twice a week now. Sometimes I make tortillas, beans and nuts. So tons of peanut butter. Um, and then uh, like chickpeas and black beans to make hummus. We do a lot of like roasted veggies. So for me, that's mostly like sweet potatoes and zucchini. Anything I can peel because I have some issues with digesting the more leafy stuff and then like bananas apples avocados which again I ate I I feel like I pretty much ate all of that before shifting our, our diet it was just that I also ate uh you know I would put like a quarter cup of yogurt in my oatmeal and you know now I don't do that I'd put you know like cheese on my on my sandwiches and now I just you know put like avocado or hummus or something like that so my standard fare is a lot, mostly the same. Every morning I have oatmeal with bananas and peanut butter, chia seeds, flax seeds, almonds. One of my favorite moves is just chopping up squash, onions, broccoli, potatoes, sweet potatoes, eggplants, mushrooms, any vegetables I can get my hands on and putting them on giant trays and putting olive oil, salt, and pepper on them and putting it in the oven. And then and garlic like, powder. And garlic powder. <laughs> just, just eating it. And too eat. much garlic powder. <laughs> just, well, I mean, that's... And just eating it off the tray for the next couple of days. Rice and beans in the Instant Pot, pretty often. Uh, that's kind of like Dan food. I do... I am impressed with... I think that you, since we've shifted our diet, have become very adventurous with your cooking. Not Thank always you. like... Not, it's not always successful. This you always, eat it regardless. Yeah, that's but, true. I do always eat it. Um, like, you really went through a real, um, like, instant pot renaissance. Yeah, it was big. Uh, <laughs> lots of <laughs> stews. 
it's just it's just always yeah. smelled like the same thing when it was done yeah well that's because you always put like the same four spices in it no matter what it was yeah but so it kind of brings us to the next thing that I wanted both of us to talk about is our connection to food and I don't know how we think about it and how it, you know, for me, the, um, there's a closer love of food. Cause if you buy everything whole and raw, you have to cook it. So a couple of days ago, I was really hungry and I went in the kitchen and there was, you know, nothing that had been cooked already. And I just had a sweet potato in my hand and I thought, huh, well, I guess I have to cook this. And then I ended up cooking two sweet potatoes and broccoli and onions and putting it all in the oven, sort of a just cook more now. But I feel like I have a closer connection to it and more gratitude and know that there's a slowness to it and that it's, it's my hands that are preparing it. So I think it's kind of a, a slowing down. Spiritual is maybe a way to, might be a bit of a stretch for me, but uh, a closeness that, it, that I enjoy. How about you, Laura? What do you think about, you know, food? Well, I think it's also important to make the clarification that there are certainly, like, ready-made and, like, freezer versions of, like, a vegan diet. Yeah. That's just not something that we as a couple have really, like, explored because we also strive to be as low waste as possible. Yeah. So not to say that you couldn't buy hummus you know ready-made or you couldn't have something that you could pop in the microwave it's just I think our mindset has been how can we buy these ingredients with the least amount of packaging and because of that what we're getting for the most part is things that are raw or things that need to be prepared yeah so I think with that comes like you said the connection or I think of it as almost like a ritual. Like I make sourdough bread once or twice a week now. And it's, you know, you have to think about like when you're going to take the starter out of the refrigerator and then like six hours later, I like feed the starter. And then four hours after that, I, um, you know, make the dough. And then 24 hours after that, I bake the loaf of bread. And so it's something that I think is overwhelming at first, but for me, it's become like part of my routine in a way that's really satisfying. So like I always make, you know, like cold brew coffee for the week, hummus for the week, some kind of bread or grain for the week. Um, and that's become something that I look forward to and something that is like a very specific mindset that, like you said, I think leads to having more of an appreciation when you actually get to consume whatever you're making. The other thing we wrote down here is sort of the word utilitarian or even Spartan for, for maybe for me more than you, but the fact that I think maybe me more, like I can just eat the same Cause thing. I like ice cream. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but just like the ability to eat the, mostly the same. same I would say that's both of us. I don't know why you're, you're taking me out of this classification, but. I just, I think I'm tougher. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I think you're right. I do think that there are different, you know, some people really like having something new and trying new recipes and stuff. And I think we are definitely the type of people who like maybe I'll try a new recipe like if we have an ingredient that we need to use up. But like if we like it, then it becomes part of like our rotation. 
and we definitely, you know, eat the same breakfast every day. And we, you know, eat probably the same dinner four out of seven days a week. And the other three, it's the other yeah. dish we make. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think that's um, partially because of the way that we choose to shop. Yeah, that's true. Because it's it's easier to buy, you know, if we're buying in bulk, we aren't, like, I, I don't go and get, you know, a big jar of something just to, like, try a new recipe. I'm more likely to, you know, like, experiment with the ingredients that I know we use already and, like, make substitutions. But we definitely rely on a standard menu, if you yeah. will. And the fact that we don't, we don't want to make garbage. I don't want to make any garbage. Yeah, so we very, very rarely purchase things with packaging. So moving from moving from animals and animal products to, to this, how do you feel uh, like health-wise and how full you are and how satisfied you are? And I know it's mixed in with your not eating added sugar. So those two are kind of mixed together. But. I think it's more that I, this sounds odd, but it's, it's more that I feel worse when I do and not necessarily that I notice it when I don't. So that probably means that my like general baseline is healthier. But you know, if we're like, if I'm at school and we get pizza for like a staff lunch or something, I'll, I'll like eat cheese pizza. Like I said, you know, we're vegan at home and I'll, I'll be vegetarian when we're not at home. If it means not making a huge deal out of things. Um, and, you know, I'll eat, like, two slices of pizza, and then I'll just feel, like, so, yeah. like, sluggish and, like, full in not a satisfying way. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas, like, I don't think that that necessarily was true two years ago when I was, you know, eating that more often than not. Yeah. And the same for sugar. If we get, like, Ben & Jerry's, even if we get, you know, like, the vegan Ben & Jerry's, I, so I definitely sugar. notice the sugar and the effect it has on my body more than I I used to, I think. Yeah, I feel very similar. At first, I was I was very, very hungry when we did that vegan challenge. I think I was, I just think my body was conditioned for 31 years to, to only feel satisfied and full when I ate animals and animal products. And then to just immediately cut that off, um, I just kind of craved just like chomping into like a chicken a chicken <laughs> and just like I, I was like I need to eat something that's made out of animal I don't I don't know how much of that was mental and physical so it's kind of weird but I feel trim and lean and like energy all the time yeah again it's mixed up with the no added sugar stuff um but just like I feel like I could run forever I could do stuff forever I could bike forever do you think that that's because you eat more than you were eating like during the challenge or do you think it's just like a mentality that's shifted? Mm, Maybe the mentality. I don't know. I do think that we've gotten better at finding like more options. Yeah. At first we like, I, yeah, we didn't really like, I remember during the vegan challenge, like I would buy like tofu and try to make it. Yeah. It was terrible. And now, it's, thank you. <laughs> not, that, that, um, not your making. It just tofu tastes bad. It just doesn't. Just doesn't taste good. You have to put it a lot of soy. When you go out to a restaurant, but it yeah, doesn't just, taste good when you make it. At no, home. so like <laughs> vegans are like, oh, I love tofu. Tofu, like 
don't know. <laughs> Tastes really bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's part of it too, is you've started you've started like taking almost like ownership of your yeah. hunger more. Yeah, that's true. Instead Which of just, is maybe my fault because, like, I don't make enough food for you. No. But, but I think of, you definitely, like, have started making, like, you just make, like, a giant pile of food. And I don't yeah. know that that's, like, you used to, you know, like, eat, like, a whole chicken. And that's, like, the yeah the equivalent. But I think when we started out, it was, like, I would make food and I didn't necessarily, like, account for your, <laughs> the volume of your hunger. Just Just starving <laughs> in the other room. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm more capable now, like, uh, like cooking mushrooms and sweet potatoes and all this stuff, and like, with with a mix of not buying packaged foods, not eating added sugar, and eating plants, you, you have to cook it, and you have to, and you have to do it yourself. So that's kind of the story, and that's kind of where we are, I guess, right? Yeah. What's do you miss anything? Like, if you had like a day where you wouldn't like feel physically, <laughs> emotionally, or mentally worse for it. Would you, what would you eat? If I, I, all right, I'll answer your question. You're tough. <laughs> what would I eat? Probably the schnitzel that my mom makes. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, what would you eat? I don't know. I like, I don't really even like crave meat at all anymore. Yeah. But. I was thinking a few weeks ago about how we used to eat hot dogs on all of our bike trips on the 4th of July. Yeah, that's true. And how true. if we were at, at like a 4th of July parade again and had like an 80 mile yeah, bike yeah, day, I could like <laughs> definitely put away a few hot dogs. Yeah. And that like a veggie dog definitely would not no. satisfy me in the same way as like the no. processed just the most, whatever the is most disgusting hot possible. Dog hybrid animal mix that just got slaughtered improperly and you just put mustard on it and it tastes so good yeah, yeah. but it's funny like even be like oh if you could eat anything i i don't know just, I, I can't i don't think i will, will ever it's just so wrapped that, up in sort of everything that i know i do think though that that's also partially because we allow ourselves like the grace to eat like vegetarian when we are in those situations and I think that that's definitely like the better option right if it's like no one's a vegan and no one even tries versus if people you know say nine meals out of ten or you know like even like three meals out of ten yeah I'm not going to eat meat I'm not going to eat animal products yeah um and I think that that's sort of the the message that hopefully we can put across too is that like you don't have to be like we don't even define ourselves as vegans and here we are talking about our yeah plant-based diet yeah yeah i mean if you if you're a meat eater and you you know you make three tons a year and there's so much more value in a meat eater going to vegetarian which is a one and a half ton reduction compared to a vegetarian going to vegan or like somebody else like us who does like you know 1.2 tons per year to get down to one ton and sort of like the social blowback of like you go to a somebody's house and they like didn't do something and and then you just like sit there and don't eat it sort of like socially how are you like this matters to me and 
I, I think it's an important thing to talk about for the future of society and the planet. And um, I don't want my behavior to negatively affect any relationship or to, to have you kind of further cement that stereotype of like crazy hippie vegan person. Yeah, I like our rule for now. Yeah. Maybe we'll become more strict. Yeah. Or maybe we'll become less strict later on. Who knows? Yeah. But, I, I mean, just, it, it, works it works for now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just we're just so highly aware of it because that's all, all we read about. So I hope, uh, listeners, thank you for listening, and I hope that this inspires you to, to be better and maybe make a change, maybe try like a meatless Monday. Eating more plants is a continuum. It's something that doesn't happen all at once. And it's one of your biggest personal levers. If you can, if you can give up flying, that's huge. You know, driving your car, huge. But your diet is 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 huge. And so, you know, every time you buy something or prepare something or eat something or have a love or connection to something that you you eat, that that has has greater re- repercussions on society and all the systems that are in place right now. I hope that you eat more plants. And I don't know if you've been doing this at, in your podcasts or not, but I, I would say... You like haven't some, listened to all of them? I have listened to uh, bits and pieces, and yeah. they're all so good. I, yeah, I know. Thank you. Really Those, smart and you're really supportive. cute. Yeah, thanks. Um, but <laughs> I would say if people are interested, that book that we've referenced a few times, Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foer, uh, is great and really straightforward. And yeah. I was thinking about other things that we've, other media that we've consumed, and um, the documentary Game Changers came to mind yeah. um, as a really great explanation that breaks down that misconception that vegans don't get protein because it's yeah. all about professional athletes yeah. um, and like firefighters and people who are constantly yeah. um, moving. So I would say like those are two great places to go next if you want to hear real experts talk about it. <laughs> eating animals and game changers. I would like to thank my sustainability wife for recording this podcast the second time because the first time the volume was so bad and for being the first guest. And thank you for listening. Be good. And until next time, so long. Bye.